Hey everybody, it's Chris. Welcome or welcome back to the Beyond Church podcast. Hey, at the end of this conversation, would you head to our socials at Beyond Church AU, either on Instagram or Facebook and give us a follow. That's the easiest way to share this content with a friend who might find it helpful. And while you're at it, you can click the link in our description to sign up to our email newsletter. That's the easiest way to stay up to date on everything that's going on around here at Beyond. But in the meantime, I hope this following conversation inspires you to take your next step on your faith journey. Enjoy. Hey, um, we're going to, uh, I say play a little bit of a game. It's not that serious, okay? Um, and it's not going to involve that much of you. Um, mainly, it'll, it'll, you'll see why we're going to play it um, as, the, as the conversation goes on. But also, just like, church should just be a little bit more fun, I feel, um, than it is. Sometimes, you know, people come to church and they're so serious. And yeah, it's serious and stuff. And we're talking about serious things. But also, it's just like, you don't have to be that serious. You can have fun, okay? Um, Jesus had fun. And so the game uh, I kind of, we're going to play really requires nothing of you other than to fill in the blank, okay? We're just going to all yell it out together. So really, let me give you an example. What I'm going to do is I'm going to put some things on the screen. They're going to come up on the screen, and there's going to be a common phrase. Uh, so there's some book titles. There's a few, like, song lyrics, <clears throat> and it's going to have a, a blank in it that we need to fill in. So on this one, it would be action speak louder than... Yeah, well done. You guys are so good, right? Okay, right. What about this one? Um, a picture is worth a thousand... Yeah, excellent, good. That one was less enthusiastic, okay? Uh, what about this one? This is for those of you who are uh, maybe uh, into reading a little bit. Harry Potter and the Chamber of? Excellent. Um, and I'm going to do my best uh, for this one. I want you to imagine that, uh, that you're a millennial back in your childhood, and I'm Britney Spears, okay? Hit me, baby, one more. Excellent, great. Okay, you'll understand why that was important um, in a minute, because uh, at the moment, we are in the middle of this series uh, called Mind Traps. And Mind Traps is part of this whole thing we're doing here at Beyond um, for the first time ever called uh, Mental Health Month. And so we started this series a couple of weeks ago. And the reason we're only in part two and we started a couple of weeks ago is because last week we had Are You OK Sunday. Um, and so if you want to check out um, what happened at Are You OK Sunday, uh, you can go to our Instagram or you can go to the uh, the dad's podcast instagram because we had a live podcast recording um with those guys and we had some dads share their story around mental health and how they stay healthy on there unfortunately um we didn't get uh the file got corrupted and so we didn't get the 6 p.m mental health panel um which sucks but also that's okay because of what's coming up um next week <clears throat> and so um we're we're kind of back into part two of this series. And because we did it two weeks ago and a lot happens in two weeks, I thought I'd just sort of really quickly recap where we, where we started and what this series is about so we can sort of all be on the same page moving forward. And with this series, we've been talking about this thing called a mindset. Um, and a mindset is, you know, you wake up with one, you have one. Sometimes it changes throughout the day. But really all a mindset is is simply this. It's a way of thinking, okay? And all of us have ways of thinking. Typically, um, our thinking starts with a, a thought. Um, that's typically how thinking starts. You have a thought uh, that turns into a feeling that then leads to an action. And it becomes this cycle. I have a thought that leads to a feeling that then leads to an action. And it, the cycle just keeps going around and around and around. And some of these, um, some of these things are good, right? You can have really good uh, cycles and really good habits of thoughts that lead to feelings that lead to actions. But also some of these can be, uh, they can be less helpful. And if we're not, if we're not careful, um, a mindset or a way of thinking can very quickly become a mind trap. If we, if we don't pay attention to that. And the reality is, regardless of where you sit on faith, right, uh, none of us like to feel trapped, right? No one wakes up in the morning and goes, you know what I hope? I hope I get trapped in the elevator today, 
okay? I hope I, get, hope I lock my keys outside of the car, get stuck in the car. I hope I get trapped in the car. And none of us like to feel trapped. And, and I think just rather than being stuck in an elevator, which is scary for those of you who are afraid of heights and you're suspended or stuck in a car, there always seems to be a clear way out. You kind of know. You're like, I need someone to come and open the doors. I need to get the key to open it. When it comes to feeling trapped in your mind, it can really almost feel like there's no way out. Or if there is a way out, you're not quite sure which way, um, which way that you need to take out. And so we looked in part one of something called the all or nothing trap. And the all or nothing trap is this. It's the tendency to think in terms of polar opposites without accepting the possibilities that lie between the two extremes. So we said that, hey, it's often like most of life is lived in the middle. Unfortunately, we, when we get caught in the all or nothing trap, we tend to think that it's all good or it's all bad or it's all lived on the extremes. And so we looked at some really practical ways to get out of this um, trap. And I don't have time to go over all of them um, this morning. But what I would recommend is uh, if you want to listen to this um, or you want to revisit that again because you forgot, um, head to Spotify, head to Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to, uh, to your podcast and type in Beyond Church AU. There'll be a green B and you can catch up on that. Before I tell you where we're going today, I want to tell you where we're going next week. Um, because next week, we actually are, are having a conversation with two mental health experts, uh, Nathan and Lauren, and really we want this conversation to benefit you. And so what we want to do is, and the QR code up on the screen, you can actually pull your phone out, you can scan that, um, and as we're having this conversation, or as you go through, about, uh, go through your week, I'd love you to just keep that page handy, and we want you to submit your questions around mental health, around faith, around the intersection of those two, around some of the challenges that you might be having or some of the questions that you have. And then next week, Lauren and Nathan are going uh, to be here. They're going to answer your questions. And then on top of that, as the panel is happening, there's also going to be an opportunity for you to submit live questions so that if there's a follow-up or if there's something that you're like, ah, oh, they, they kind of misunderstood that, you can ask more questions. And so that's where we're going um, next week. Nathan and Lauren are going to be here. And that, I think, is going to be a really helpful um, conversation. It's always helpful when those guys are here. But today, today we're, we're looking at this mind trap, and it's the, uh, the fill-in-the-blank trap. You can see why we played the game now. Oh, I get it, right? Um, and the fill-in-the-blank trap is really this. It's the tendency to assume that we know what to fill the blank space with without discovering what lies in the blank space. And this is challenging, right? Because for all of us, um, our brains naturally fill in the blank space. Right? We, we played that game, all of us are like, oh yeah, obviously it's actions speak louder than words. Obviously that's what fits in the blank space. But also our brains are naturally wired that way. In fact, um, there, there's this idea called blind spot filling. It's not an idea, it's actually what happens with your eyes. And all of us right now are experiencing blind spot filling. Um, see, we, we, we get a picture of the world or we were able to see because light comes into our eyes and I'm not sure about all the science behind it, okay? I'm a pastor, not a scientist. But the light comes into our eyes, sends a message to our brain and that's the picture of the world we get. But there's also a nerve that runs out the back of our, um, of our eye that connects to our brain that relays those messages. And where that nerve connects that to the eye, there's actually a blind spot for all of us. But our brain fills in that blind spot based on the information it has, so we're not walking around with like this gap in our sight. Like another, um, another idea of how our brains naturally fill in the blank space is something called the Ebbinghaus illusion. Now the fact I've said it is you already know it's an illusion, but like on this screen, right, you see this and it looks like, it looks like there's a small dot surrounded by bigger dots on one side and then it looks like there's a big dot surrounded by smaller dots, right? And this is the idea because our brain takes the information and it tries to process it and it tries to make sense of it. The reality is, uh, is that both of those dots are the same size. 
Right? Both of those dots are exactly the same size. The problem is what happens outside is these dots are bigger, these dots are smaller. So our brain starts to go, okay, that there must be, there must be something going on here. And so our brain naturally fills in the blank space. In fact, you're probably smarter than me. But when I go back to it, even though when I know my brain's filling in the blank space, I look at it and I'm like, ah, oh, they just, that one looks smaller. Like I, I know it's not, but it just, it looks, um, it looks so much smaller. And so all of us, we kind of, our brains are naturally hardwired to do this. The challenge becomes is that, is that we start to do this in other areas of our lives, right? And we have a tendency to think we know what to fill the blank spaces with relationally. And this is even worse, right, when, um, when it's someone you know really, really well. Okay, now I'll, I'll admit, um, I, was, I was really tired this morning because uh, all of our fire alarms decided to go off at 4 a.m. this morning, okay? And what I discovered is I'm not as good of a, uh, of a critical thinker when I'm coming out of a deep sleep at 4 a.m. as I would like to be, okay? I had no idea how to turn the fire alarms off. I accidentally ripped one out of the, out of the ceiling. Um, it was a mess, okay? And so when I woke up this morning, I was tired, and I'm sitting there going, literally going over this message, and Emma walks out, and, uh, and I'm having my coffee, and she hands me Daphne, who's our little daughter, and she makes this noise, and I straight away filled in the blank. I was like, yeah, look, I know I haven't got to that yet. Like, I, I get it. I just did, it was loud. And Emma's like, no, you literally have no idea. I have something stuck in my eye, and it's been bugging me all morning, okay? And so all of us have this tendency to fill the blank space relationally. You know, like you, someone doesn't respond to that text. What do you fill it with? Is it like, oh... You know, typical. So, you know, of course they wouldn't text back. They're mad at me. If, or do you fill it with like, oh, they must be busy. They're caught at work. Or maybe someone's late to work. Again. What do you fill that space with? Lazy, unorganized, typical. Or do you fill it with like, maybe they had a flat tire and they had to change it. They had to get RACQ out and it was a long wait. Like, what, what do we fill that blank space with? We all have a tendency to do it. And the truth is as well, is we all have a tendency to fill the blank space when it comes to God. Right, Christians, come on, we do this, don't we? You're thinking like, oh God, I, I really need your help on this decision. Now, you've never done this. I promise you've never done this. But someone might take their Bible out, start flipping. Oh, I really hope God says something to me. Not on that page, not on that page, not on that. That one sounds like it applies to my situation. I like that. It sounds good. And so you kind of take it and you're like, that must apply to me. I've got to fill in this space here. And that must be what God wants me, uh, what God wants me to do. Now, the problem is, and the, ch the problem really is, is, um, is not so much with filling the blank space because we all do it. The problem is, is what you place in the blank space will either set you free or either lead you into a mind trap. See, what you put in the blank space can actually be really helpful to your relationships or it can be really unhelpful and in some cases harmful to your relationships and it'll lead you to kind of get stuck um, in this mind trap. And now what we're going to do for the next couple of minutes that we have together is we're actually going to observe a conversation that Jesus had. It's a conversation between three groups of people. It's like Jesus, his disciples, and a group of parents. And we're going to observe the ways in which, and they're so subtle, they're so subtle, the ways in which the different groups of people in this conversation filled in the gap and filled in the blank space and what they filled it with, the consequences. And then we're going to look at a couple of practical ways that we can escape this. Now, the person who, um, who records this is some, the person who actually observed it. His name was Mark. Mark was one of Jesus' closest followers. He hung out with Jesus for three years. And then at the end of that time, he wrote a biography on the life of Jesus. And so now we're going to look at what Mark had to say about, uh, about this conversation, about this interaction. He says this. He says, One day, some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could touch and bless them. 
right? Now, this is, um, this is definitely this is something that happened in the first century. Parents would often bring their children, um, their young ones, to a rabbi, and they would ask for a blessing. And if you're kind of new to the whole church thing, and you're like, what is a blessing? It's just kind of a prayer or a hope for their future. That as, as they kind of start out in life, they wanted a rabbi to bless them or to pray for their future. Now, we also sort of do this in our culture, depending on um, if you go to church or not, is sometimes parents will bring their um, children to church for, uh, for a baptism or for a baby dedication. And so there's like this way of blessing the child as they start out on their journey through life. And so what's happened is, uh, we don't know how, but this group of p- uh, parents have found out, hey, there's this rabbi called Jesus. And, uh, and we're not really comfortable going to the temple or going to church because the rabbi's there. Oh, we just don't really feel like we fit in with them. But we've heard this Jesus guy's a bit different. We heard this Jesus guy kind of operates out of houses. He's kind of out in the villages. And so they found where Jesus was. They found the house that he was hanging out at. And they kind of got all together. They said, hey, we should just all go together and we should just go and get Jesus to bless our children. And so they walk up and um, there's kind of 12 disciples of Jesus that, uh, well, the, the 12 that are kind of like the, in the inner circle. And we don't know like what the formation was, whether they were bodyguarding or whatever the deal was. But we know that there was some kind of milling around outside the house. And Jesus was inside and they come to the front door and they have this exchange. They have this conversation. We don't really know what was said. Mark doesn't tell us. But we know that they wanted Jesus to bless their child. And this is the disciples' response when they hear that the parents rocked up. They said, hey, we're here to get the rabbi Jesus to bless our child. Here's what they say. The disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. Now, I don't know how that makes you feel, but let's just hold our judgment, okay, for, for a minute. Let's not fill in the blanks. Let's just observe, because here's what we can observe happened. The disciples filled in the blank space and it led to a reaction. Now, we're not actually sure what they filled in the blank space with. We know for whatever reason they had an assumption. There was an assumption when these parents came and they filled in that space and it led to them, it led to the reaction of them getting angry. Now, we could guess what that assumption might be. The assumption might be, you know, geez, doesn't everyone know that Jesus doesn't do child blessings? Like he's so busy, he doesn't have time for that. Everyone should know that. Or maybe they had the assumption that, um, hey, you know, Jesus only deals with emergencies, okay? Like it's emergency Monday and this is a Monday. And so Jesus only deals with emergencies on Monday. This is not an emergency. Come back tomorrow. Or maybe, who knows? Maybe it was just like two in the afternoon on a Sunday and Jesus was like, I need a nap, okay? And the disciples were like, everyone knows Jesus takes a nap at two on a Sunday afternoon, okay? Could you not come back? Just let the man have a nap. And we don't know really why, but for whatever reason, there's this commotion. And, um, Chances are Jesus wasn't taking a nap, or if he was, he woke up, right? Because he hears this commotion, and he sticks his head out the window, and he sees what's going on. And this is how Jesus responds. When Jesus saw uh, what was happening, he was angry with his disciples. Now, before we just kind of go, well, that's kind of rich for Jesus to get angry when he's angry that they were making an assumption or that. Okay, let's just be generous. For those of us who are Jesus followers, we believe that Jesus is God. So we believe that Jesus is just not getting angry because he's scolding them. We believe that maybe Jesus is getting angry for another reason. Because Jesus knows what they're thinking. Jesus knows their hearts. And maybe, maybe the reason Jesus is actually angry with the disciples is more from a relational perspective. Maybe it's because he's angry and frustrated at the disciples that they filled in a space relationally that he never filled in. See, it's this interesting thing that the more and more you follow Jesus, the more and more you should become like Jesus. So the longer you spend following Jesus, theoretically, the, lo- the more and more you should look like Jesus. Now, what that means is not just that you, you know, you love God more. 
Because Jesus talks about this idea of loving God and loving others. So the more you follow Jesus, yeah, of course you should get better at loving God, but also you should get better at loving others, which means you should become more like Jesus. You should become more patient. You should become more gracious. You should become more um, forgiving. You should become more inquisitive about people and their relationships and what leads them to ask certain types of questions. And so maybe the reason that Jesus is angry with his disciples is because he's like, man, you guys have been following me for years. You have more access to me than anyone else. And you just jump to a conclusion. You just filled in the blank straight away. There was no grace. There was no forgiveness. There was no curiosity there at all. And whatever it was, whatever assumption was in the gap, uh, they, they placed in the space. Here's what we know about what the disciples did, that whatever they got to, it was unclear. It was an unclear expectation that they had of Jesus and they had of these parents. And here's how we know it was unclear, because there's, there's four things that make up an unclear expectation. It's unconscious, unrealistic, unspoken, and unagreed upon. It's unconscious, right? They, maybe maybe they, they didn't realize that Jesus, uh, you know, that there was whatever that assumption was, it's unconscious. In fact, if we read the biography of Mark, there's not a single time that Jesus ever seems to indicate that he wouldn't bless children. There's not a single time where Jesus is like, no, 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 that certain group of people, they can't come anywhere near me, right? Jesus doesn't seem to do that. So it's an unconscious assumption the disciples have. Is it unrealistic? Well, we don't really know what was happening that day, so we don't really know. Is it unspoken? Well, Jesus never sat down and had a conversation with them, or they never said to Jesus, hey, should we let children come? Should we let parents come? And it was, certainly not, it was certainly unagreed upon. And we know it was unagreed upon because of what Jesus says next. He said this. He goes, hey, let the children come to me. Don't stop them. And then he says something powerful, which you're going to look at. You're like, is that really powerful? It would have been if we were in the first century. So I'll share it with you and then I'll explain why it's powerful. He says this. For the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like children. See, in the first century, the way that it worked is if you were Jewish, and you grew up, there, were, there was a certain level that you had to get to to be able to kind of get access to God, right? There was a certain age you had to get to. There was a certain intellectual level you had to get to. There was a certain sort of moral level you had to get to. And then it was like, okay, well, now you get all the blessings of God. Now you're in, now you're in the club. Now you're part of the crew. And Jesus steps in and he goes, uh, that's actually not what God's like. Like, let me clarify. You've actually filled in the blanks when it comes to um, God there. And then, in fact, Jesus goes a step further and he says this, I tell you the truth. Anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. Let me do my best to try and explain this because I still don't really, like it, this is, I still don't really understand, uh, fully grasp this. I didn't begin to fully grasp it until I became a dad. And I, I also think depending on the family that you grew up in, it might be really, really hard to kind of wrap your head around what Jesus is saying. But let, let me do my best to try and explain this, okay? This is my little daughter. This is Daff, um, or Daphne, but I call her Daff. Um, and, uh, and this is us. We're hanging out in a park in Gympie because we were going camping a couple of weeks ago. Here's the thing about Daff. Um, she doesn't have to do anything to earn my love. She doesn't have to do anything to earn a relationship with me, okay? She gets all of that just by the very fact that she's my daughter. And what Jesus is trying to explain to these parents here and to the disciples here and to us today is that you don't have to earn your way into a relationship with God. There's not a point that you have to get to where it's like, well, I'm moral enough now, or I'm at a certain age, or I know this certain knowledge. Jesus goes, no, 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 you've missed it. There's nothing you have to do 
because you, you filled in the blanks when it comes to God. In fact, you get all of those things simply because of who God is, simply because of the fact that God's inviting you into a relationship with Him. So there's, there's not a debt that you have to repay. There's not something you have to get sorted in your life first. In fact, more than that, if you think about it, if, you, if you're a Christian or you're a theist and you believe the idea that God created you, that God hardwired you and He gave you a personality and He gave you uh, your desires, God's already given you all these things already before you even began to think of Him. God gave you the way in which you view the world. God gave you the personality you have. God placed you in the world that you're in now. And Jesus is saying to this group of people, hey, whatever you've placed in this blank space when it comes to God, if you feel that what you've placed in that blank space is a barrier between you connecting with God, then I'd invite you to reconsider. I'd invite you to think about it in a different way because what you thought was a barrier no longer needs to be a barrier. God gives you love before you do anything. And then he finishes with this. He says, then he took the children in his arms and placed his hands on his heads and blessed them. And I love this about Jesus because he just doesn't end with, uh, he just doesn't end with words. He just doesn't be like, hey, that's what God's like. He actually does something. He actually backs it up with action. He goes, no, I want to let them come. And then he blesses them anyway. He goes, here, I'm going to demonstrate it. I'm going to give you, um, I'm going to show you that. And so for us, in the last couple of moments, we have how do we relationally, but also with God, stop filling in the blanks? How do, we, how do we go about that? How do we not end up with like the disciples, right? Because the disciples were closer to Jesus than anyone, and they still fill in the blanks. So here's the first, the first one I want you to do is, is going to help you uh, in your relationship with others. And you can choose to do it or not. Here's something I think might be helpful that you could do. It's simply this. It's stop mind reading and clarify expectations. Stop mind reading and clarify expectations. One of the reasons we mind read right is because we think we know people so well that it's like, oh, obviously. Oh, obviously that's what they're thinking. Obviously that's what we're doing. Obviously that's why they've done that. And if we're not careful again, we get into this habit of mind reading every single situation and thinking we know every single situation. And so here's a really simple question just to, that you can start asking, or if you'd like to this week, that will help you begin to stop mind reading. And it's simply this. Hey, I'm wondering, is that correct? So for example, just use my example this morning. It's a great example. Hey, um, I'm wondering, is that sound you made because you're frustrated that I didn't put the dishes away like I said I would? Is that correct? And she would have been like, actually, no, it's not. I've got something jammed in my eye and it's been bugging me all morning. And so you could ask a friend, you could say, hey, like, I'm wondering, You've seemed really distant the last couple of weeks. I feel like something's off. Is that correct? And it could lead them to say, oh, actually, no, I've just got this massive work project and my mind is just kind of like fixed on that at the moment. Or it could lead them to say, yeah, actually, yeah, I've been looking for an opportunity to talk to you. Or maybe at work, you know, you could, you know, if you got an email or something that just seemed a little bit off, you could say, hey, I'm wondering, uh, you didn't kind of, you, the, the email that you sent wasn't, the typical email, like, have I done something? Is there some friction in our relationship? I feel like there is. Is that correct? And they could say, oh, actually, no. I was on the phone to someone while I was quickly responding to that email. Um, and so that's not the case. Or they could say, yeah, actually, when we had that conversation the other day, and so it allows us to kind of go with curiosity. It leads us to go, hey, I'm wondering, as opposed to, you know why you're making that? And then all of a sudden, people are on the defense, no, I'm not doing it because of that. So here's something else that you can do. So stop mind reading is the first one and clarify expectations. So we saw, right, 
what unclarified uh, expectations look like in that interaction with Jesus. They're unconscious, they're unrealistic, they're unspoken, and they're unagreed upon. Which means a clear expectation is this. It's conscious, it's realistic, it's spoken, and it's agreed upon. And at least for me personally, I, I tend to find that at least in one relationship, at least one at a time, there's usually some expectation that I haven't clarified. There's usually some expectation that I need to, I need to uh, clarify a little bit better. In fact, uh, I, this week um, I was organizing to kind of have a, have a catch up with someone. We were talking about let's get a coffee. And, and so it was conscious. We both re- recognized, hey, yeah, I wanna, we're going to get a coffee. It was realistic. We sort of made a time frame that worked for us. It was spoken. We were messaging about it. We'd even a, agreed upon a time. But the thing we hadn't done is we hadn't agreed upon a location. Thankfully, they dropped me a note and they were like, hey, told you so, because that's my favorite coffee shop. It's kind of where I assume, I just assume if anyone's going to catch up with me, obviously it would be told you so, but I hadn't agreed upon it. And they were like, hey, I just want to make sure that this isn't the day that you decide not to assume. So, that, so that's what I want you to do or think about doing in your relationships. Just go, hey, if I'm trying to clarify an expectation, was it conscious? Was it realistic? Was it spoken? And most importantly, was it agreed upon? Do we say, yeah, hey, that, that works for me. I'll be there. So, what about when it comes to God? What about when it comes to God? Well, here's what I'd suggest you do when you fill in the blank space about what God says. And I'd say fill in the blank space with what God actually says. Now, here's what I mean by that. I want to talk to sort of two main groups. There's way more than two main groups, but two main groups. The first group I'll talk to is those of you who have been Jesus followers for a while. You mean Jesus followers for a while. You've got a big decision and you've got a big challenge that you're working through it might be to do with a job it might be to do with a career it might be to do with a decision that you have to make here's what i would caution you against jumping to straight away and as soon as i put it up there you're gonna be like why would i not want to say i'm not saying it's bad i'm not saying you shouldn't say this i'm just saying here's what i'd caution you against straight away is talking to people when you're trying to figure out what god really wants uh, what god is saying and say well god told me here's why i'd caution you against that because that's sort of like the security blanket and the accountability and the lack of accountability blanket. Right? If you've already made a decision and you're like, I, I want to figure this out, but here's what God's told me. Well, straight away, it, the other person feels like, well, I, I can't, how can I challenge God? Right? How can I hold you accountable? How can I navigate that? What, what, am I, what am I supposed to do? And sometimes in life, if it's a relationship you're getting out of, if it's a career move that you're making, sometimes we have free will. We do have free will to make those decisions. Sometimes God's just like, your choice. Deal is cool. What, do you, what would you like? And sometimes when we start to go, God told me, and maybe you've never thought about this before, especially if you're a Christian, that can actually be using God's name in vain. And here's what I mean by that. If you say, well, God told me to end the relationship. God told me that I had to leave the job. God told me to do this. And doing that, is what you're using to avoid a difficult conversation. What you're doing that is what you're using to avoid actually sharing your feelings. God doesn't sit there and go, I'm stoked by that. I'm pumped by that. I'm glad that you use my name to get out of having a relational conversation because God is a relational God. God draws us into relationships. God draws us to have healthy relationships. And so there's, there's a challenge. Now, I'm not saying if you're in, a, in an abusive relationship, you should be like, God told me to leave. No, you should just leave, okay? Like, just leave, right? But what I am saying is if you use that phrase to get out of having a hard conversation, that's not what God wants. 
More than that, for those of us who are Jesus followers, it's a really challenging habit to get into. Why? Because it's really hard to hear what God has to say when you've already decided what you want Him to say. When you're like, oh, I want God to talk to me and tell me to do this. You've already decided. You've already decided. It's really hard to hear. And, and here's why I'd caution us against that. It's because if you're a Jesus follower, I actually think that you miss out on God's best when you do that. I actually think when you try and insert, here's what I want, God. I'm not saying you shouldn't bring your desires and bring what you hope for to God. But when you're like, God, here's what, here's what I want you to tell me and here's what you're going to tell me and then we're going to follow through on that. You don't actually allow God the opportunity to go, hey, I've got something better in store. I've got something more in store. I've got something bigger than you perhaps ever saw. I've got something better than you perhaps ever saw, but it's not going to happen in the way that you thought. It's going to be different than the way that you thought. So my challenge for those of us who are Jesus followers is just listen to God first. Don't fill in the space with God told me or here's what I want God to do. Just listen to God. And here's the final thing on that before I move on. Here's how to know if it's, or one way to know if it's God or if it's you. Is when you make those big decisions, when you read and you look at the New Testament and you look at the Old Testament, typically if God's calling you to something, He calls us to something, not from something. There's no instances where God calls us from, where God calls people from things just to be alone. It's like, He calls people, when God says something, God calls people to something. It's to an objective. It's to, uh, it's to a goal. It's to something. So if you, if you are leaving a relationship or leaving something, it can just be as simple as, hey, we don't line up on values. If it's leaving a job, it's like, hey, we don't, we don't line up. I don't, I don't really like the workplace. I don't really like the culture. That's okay to say. That's totally okay to say. And here's to the second group when it comes to filling in the blanks. The group that I have in mind here is the group, maybe you're new to faith, maybe you're exploring faith. Maybe you've been a Christian a while, but there's always been that thing in the back of your mind. And you've just asked that question, what does God really think about me? What does God really think? And maybe because of the church you grew up in or the experience you had or just because of what you think God would say about you, you've kind of filled in the space. You've filled in, the, in that gap of, you're, like, you're kind of like, ah, I kind of know what God says, but I don't know how to figure it out. Well, the truth is God says a bunch of things about you. There's three things that I think are worth focusing on. And, one, and what I'd like you to do, if, you, if you're open to it, is to pick one this week and then every time you attempted to fill something else in the space, when you, when you hear God saying, just choose the one you picked and put it in the space. And so the three things that I'd like you to know that God says about you are this, that you are loved, that you are forgiven, and that you are made new. That you are loved, that you're forgiven, and that you're made new. And I, I believe I can say that because 2,000 years ago, God did what no king has ever done before stood off his throne and then he entered into history and he didn't enter into history as this big announcement and this big arrival and this big look at me he entered into history like us and then he lived a life for 33 years and eventually he was put to death at the hands of his own creation and then he hung and he died on a roman cross and then for three days it looked like it was all over until on the third day on easter sunday he rose from the grave and just demonstrated to us that death doesn't have the same sting that it had anymore. And life actually seems to have a, a brighter hope than it did before. And he did that so that you would know that you're loved. 
that God, the creator of the universe, before you even thought about him, before you even moved in, in your direction, God had already decided. I've already decided, God said, well, how I think about you. How you feel about me, that's up to you. But I want you to know, here's what I think about you. He also said, hey, you're forgiven. I want you to know that whatever you've got in the past, the shame, the guilt, the baggage that you carry, God goes, hey, it's forgiven. The debt is paid because of what I've done on the cross. And then he invites us into something new. God goes, as a result of all of that, I'm inviting you to a new story. I'm inviting you to be part of a bigger story. I'm inviting you to link your story to God's story, to be part of a new community, a new family, a new way of thinking. And he goes, and so you are made new. The habits and the ways you used to think about yourself, you don't have to carry those on and along with you. And so my thought, and this is just my thought, is that if you want to get better relationally at filling in the blanks, first you have to get, first you have to understand what God fills, uh, what to fill in the blanks with when it comes to God. And if you can get that right, if you can know what God thinks about you, then it makes it a whole lot easier to stop mind reading and clarify expectations. But even, even if you're not sure what God thinks about you, even if you're not sure about the whole God thing, I think a great step is just to stop mind reading this week or look at how to stop mind reading and look how to clarify expectations and escape that fill-in-the-blanks trap. I'd love to pray for us before we wrap up. Jesus, thank you that you entered into history, that you gave up your life, that you died for us and that you rose again so that we would know exactly what you put in the space with us. And help us not to be Jesus followers who are just content, or those of us in the room who are Jesus followers, help us not to just be content to go, oh, well, I know what God thinks about me and, that, and leave it there. But we're also to be people, excuse me, who share that love with others, who fill the blanks with grace to others, who don't mind read, who clarify expectations. And in doing that, we love others well in the way that you've loved us. And so we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> Well, once again, thanks so much for listening. And hey, if you live in the Griffin, Marumba Downs, North Lakes, or Moreton Bay region, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend environments. You can find out more by heading to our website, beyondchurch.com.au. You'll find direction, service times, and what you can expect, as well as information on our Upstreet Kids Club, which is our primary school-aged environment, and Infinity Youth, our high school-aged environment. That website, beyondchurch.com.au.